Hey everybody, how's it going this evening? Coming at you from our new studio, well, virtual studio anyway, the nice picture of the Earth. We're here on episode 22 of the Fused Relativity Podcast. The deuces are flying tonight, deuces are wild. Speaking of wild, how's it going, Kirk? It's going good. It's good to be on this space station of love, is which I'm, I'm going to call it from now on. But, uh, <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, don't, all right, <laughs> fine. You guys are a little not in touch with your feelings. But speaking of love, uh, I found out that MTV is uh, celebrating about 40 years of being in uh, TV. So I chose the name Butthead because that was, I figured that was right in your guys' wheelhouse. You guys seem like right for Beavis and Butthead fans. I was more of a Beavis fan, to be honest. Not a fan of the butthead. Too much competition. Like that that guy has a funk and a smell, so it was competing against your your funk and smell. Let's go with yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, John Beavis and Butthead. It was. I mean, obviously, we saw episodes here and there, but never really watched much. What's kind of funny, because MTV, all what I really remember from MTV was just like the countdown shows that we'd yeah, pop come up. on in the app. Yeah, pop-up video. Yeah, that, that was probably my favorite MTV show. And I don't, I don't know how much MTV you guys have seen in the recent, you know, couple years, but it, there's no music anymore. I don't think you should call it music television. <clears throat> Well, yeah, that's... that died out a long time ago. Yeah, but, but that happened yeah. to all the channels. History Channel. I'm trying to think of the name of the other one, and I can't. They've Discovery. all become... I was going to say Discovery, but Discovery was kind of Discovery. I think even the Weather Channel went that way, too. The Weather Channel went for, like, uh, topless sexy ratings? That seems uh, odd. No, they've that got... Like a, that seems like a stretch. They do kind of like reality news, like they want you to watch their shock video television just as much as everybody else does. So not just Storm Chasers, like Storm Chasers makes sense, but other yeah. than that, yeah, trying to make that sexy seems like, and obviously the, when the Weather Channel starts making reruns, that's when I tap out. I, <laughs> I, I know what the weather was on the 17th. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of, um. It's kind of amazing, like, MTV, when it first came out, was so big. You know, everybody watched MTV, and then, you know, now, who really cares? Well, I mean, it was it was part of the, what, cable? Kind of the beginning of cable? Yeah, pretty much. Cause yeah, now, part, I, was, I was a partial fan when uh, Weird Al would take it over, turn into Al TV. That was uh, great, and then the, uh, the 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 game show Remote Control with Colin Quinn and like Adam Sandler would pop in. That those were those were good times. See, and I don't I don't remember any of that. Granted, we didn't have cable until what the mid nineties. Yeah, and even then, we weren't really like quote unquote allowed to watch MTV. So. 
Oh, That's I think we... people pe- people weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons because they thought Bart was a bad influence on yeah. the kids. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that raising was, hand. I, I remember those days. Yeah, like all my <laughs> he said, he said damn or whatever, or he said cowabunga. Who the you know now there's school shooting, so Bart Simpson doesn't seem as bad. Well, <laughs> compared to what's going on, you know what's funny? We were even uh, not allowed to watch Power Rangers. What? What was wrong with Power Rangers? It was mostly it was... because we kept beating the crap out of each other. Well, wow. <laughs> you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna do that anyway. Well, <laughs> yes, but yeah, we got, we got kicked out of a lot of shows. Simpsons was one. God, yeah, uh, it, you know, no Power Rangers. Was... Yeah, it was just cartoons. Definitely not South Park. Huh? It's not true because Dad watched South Park all the time. Well, I and that was remember, I don't remember watching it until I was in high school and we were oh. real big into Family Guy around then too. Both shows that are still going on to this day. Somehow. Somehow. I know I Yeah, I, a- animation, The Simpsons, South Park, Family Guy still going and it's just yeah, they 97 about okay. The, the drawings. They don't have to deal with the actors so much, you know. The actor, it does, you know, like some like the Simpsons, like they've stayed the same age forever. It would be creepy if they kept it up at the real age, and it's like Bart and Lisa would be in like their thirties. That would just be ugh. No one else. I, I think. Well, I mean, personally, I think that would be a more interesting take on. Well, especially an animated sitcom. It would be different just to see them all like progress the same as humans would, but that's your see, cartoon that makes... character. Have you ever seen a cartoon character age? Just like spit throwing that out there, because like Bugs Bunny or all the Looney Tunes or Rocky and Bullwinkle and The Simpsons. Oh. Like I think that was part of the thing. They would kind of stay the same. Well, the nice yeah. the the nice part about the animated shows is it it's a good way to disconnect completely from reality because it's a cartoon. So you start making them realistic, and then I think it's it it might take away some of the grandeur of being able to watch an adult cartoon. Because like I remember when the Batman came out with an animated thing, and it, and it, it was just so real and so dark and so intense. Where I'm like, this isn't a fun cartoon, you know what I mean? With the bubbly, goofy characters, like this is too intense for a cartoon. I specifically remember that when I saw that because it's. I know a cartoon is supposed to be more lighthearted and silly. I think. Well, but there was definitely a, a shift in trend because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, the fifties. Well, probably not so much the fifties, but you know, going on, it was cartoons were mostly just for kids, and then you, you know, as the kids grow up start targeting trying to keep the targeted audience and you end up creating more adult not adult themed but you know you try and keep the teenagers and everything involved now we have cartoons that are almost directly aimed at adults and honestly john like there's cartoons that we turn on for Delilah that I get sucked into. Like I don't know. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> I learned. I you know what? I learned something and it changed my life. I found out that brushing your teeth is good. It's well, good no, it's I I completely understand what Chris is saying because 
like most cartoons are still kind of not aimed at adults, but they put stuff in for adults so that, you know, life isn't miserable while you're trying to watch it. I call them like Toy Story jokes. Where yeah. Like, the, like in Toy Story, like where it would go, it's an, an adult joke that would go over a kid's head, like, but it, like, it gives the something for the adults to enjoy and not lose their minds with, you know, just stupid kid humor. It's like a well, live joke to keep them. You know, I, my my favorite is uh, Pororo, which is like a Korean kids cartoon show. It's about a penguin and his <laughs> cast of characters. But uh, it cracks me up because like one of the episodes is all about uh, the penguin's like friend dinosaur eats too many fish and gets diarrhea. <laughs> See, I trying to think of shows that my kids got me into. I mean, they watched a lot. I know, like Peppa Peppa Pig got a lot of adults. Barbie's Dream House. (laughs) I only say that because it had a lot of adult humor in it. But it was it was one of those shows. It's like I never was interested in watching it. I just you know would hear it when my kids were watching it, but it was just like, it was odd. We're not judging you. If you like Barbie's dream house, John, Oh, I was going to say, I've got two girls. So my options were my little pony, Barbie's dream house. Trying to think they watched a lot of movies for a long time, which I was fine with. Because like you well, said, I'm just, I'm just glad your daughters started to like the same shows that you liked, because that makes it less awkward. For you. <laughs> because it's like if, when when you were so into Barbie's Dream House and your daughters weren't, it was a little awkward. It was a little uncomfortable. Uh, that that's yeah. that's another topic too, because I've tried to get them to watch stuff that I like growing up, like uh, what was was Powerpuff Girls would be a good example, because we always used they to watch. They don't like Powerpuff Girls. No, they have never watched it. And like all the shows that were, you know, pretty popular back when we were, you know, kids, they don't, they don't want to watch. Just nothing. For some reason they stuck to the, the newer stuff and then, and then YouTube. Right. Don't worry. Like whatever old man, that's their (laughs) attitude, I imagine. They'll they'll become charmingly retro soon enough, and then yeah. they'll make their way back in. And you know, uh, last one I'm gonna throw out on this one just for because I just thought about it was, uh, do you remember Johnny Bravo? Yes. See that show rocked. See, yeah, and and I was trying to say what was I can't think of the name of the other one. Oh, Ed Ed and Eddie. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are Good all. Old- Good old '90s cartoons, man. Yeah, I got. I've tried to get them to watch that stuff, but nope. Well, switching switching gears, John. I wanted to bring up. I I told you about it uh, briefly, but I was a little amazed the other night. I was uh, walking out to my front yard just to stand outside for a few minutes, and I happened to see a Starlink Starlink satellite train. That was kind of cool. Which is surprising, because I don't think they've launched one in a while. But I do think I know why. Um, 
they had said some of the changes they made makes it take longer to get to their desired orbit. Because I was I was standing, you know, looking up and I saw, you know, what what was clearly something very high but moving. And I, so I'm standing there looking at it and I said, oh, there's a satellite. And then it was like equally spaced, another satellite, another satellite, another satellite. And it, it went on. I, there's probably 25 of them. It was pretty cool. Yeah, there's – and I was – I kind of told you I don't – I don't know if I actually, but yeah, you can track the Starlinks um, to see when one is going to pass over you. So, and these are like satellites. Is that what this is? Yeah, it's the uh, SpaceX's. Uh, it's they're trying to make satellite global internet. internet. Yeah, satellite. That's where I was looking for. I was like, global. I mean, it will be global, but. Uh, speaking of space, what uh, jackass billionaire uh, launched himself into space this week? Because it seems to be the trend. Man, we're we're kind of out for a little while, Kirk. I oh, think. there's no more jackass billionaires. Okay, no. that's all right. Next week. <clears throat> but yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that I can spy one of those things again because I'll take a try and take a video of it. It was it was pretty impressive just to see that many oh. satellites equidistant running across the sky. Yeah. You're sure it just if you're, you're sure it just wasn't headlights. You were just wandering <laughs> in the street. <laughs> no, it was they were pretty high up there. Okay. Yeah, so I just went to it's it's called findstarlink.com. Um but the uh the thing they said is that uh yeah it's it's not giving me a good it's not it's not cooperating um that the because of the the light reduction that they've take they're harder to see cuz that was one so of the so they don't have their brights on yeah yeah no so the first few that were launched were very visible when they were going up to their desired orbits and people, well, astronomers were complaining because, you know, you're trying to look at stars and all of a sudden you just have a streak of lights go across your field of view. Um, and, you know, it generally was seen as they, they were, there was a lot of pushback because they didn't want, you know, 4,000 satellites up there f zipping around because you wouldn't be able to take or do um, you wouldn't be able to look at the stars very well with all that light pollution pretty much in space or in low earth orbit would there be some sort of threat of the satellites accidentally just smashing into one another I mean at a certain point if you have so many up there isn't that a just congestion well, is, a, is a problem so and, and I've thought about this question because we've talked about it before, but those Starlink satellites aren't very big. I mean, this is a rough size, but it's like a small – like a smart car, essentially. Okay, so you're saying there's space in space. Yes, and you know, they're all, even if they put up 4,000, which was on the higher end of what they wanted to send up, 
you're still i mean you can fit four thousand cars in a parking garage or you know some of the larger parking garages in the the scheme of space it's it's not not that much but yes there are a lot of people that are worried that it would cause i think it's called the kessler syndrome Trying to remember off that the top. the same thing as space junk because I've I've heard that theory thrown about like where satellites once they stop working or they it, they just remain floating and then when new satellites are launched they have to worry about them uh, hitting and then exploding already existing satellites. See, like that's and yes, that is a concern, and it it's only a concern because you have two big objects that you can track and they hit each other. Now you have a lot of very small objects to track but with it almost shrapnel becomes shrapnel yeah. like <clears throat> the the thing is most satellites in orbit are still close enough that even if they lost power completely they will still eventually burn up in the atmosphere when i heard most satellites are still broadcasting spice girl songs is that <laughs> true 90s callback, Kirk. God damn. Because we should shut the science down. If that's what the scientists are working on, they should really focus on something more important. I mean, everybody, who sure, who doesn't like the Spice Girls? But seriously, guys, you have glasses. You should be more serious than that. Dude, am not I, am even. I way off base? Not even the Spice Girls like the Spice Girls. Come on. You know what? I... Even they're over the Spice Girls. <laughs> that triggered such a random memory. Was it about Chris not wearing Old Spice deodorant ever, no. or any kind so, of deodorant? No, so it was about me asking Chris where, what radio station Spice Girls might play on. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, this was, yeah. I mean, you probably would have been in middle school at the time. But you know how you have those, like, kind of embarrassing memories that you're like, eh. Because well, at the time, well, at the time, we pretty much only listened to country. Yeah. And I, I can't remember. You left, you left your country roots to explore the Spice Girls? That, that, that's about, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds about well, right. I, I think the moral of this story is you're supposed to bury those memories deep down and not bring back Spice Girls. <sighs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like you guys have a Spice Girls Forever tattoo, do you? No. Do you? You don't. You don't have. One. Okay, good. <laughs> um, that all. That, I had something I was gonna bring up because I thought about that after. Uh, but now I don't know what it was because Spice Girls just wrecked the whole conversation. We Did you want to talk about your favorite Spice Girl? No. Okay. No. All right, we can move. We can move on. <laughs> we went from Starlink to Spice Girls. Deuces are wild tonight. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we've all recovered from our twenty-first episode. Um, John, FYI, I did forget to tell you this. I got some feedback uh, from my buddy who listens to our show, and he said, 
he texted me to tell me that our 21st stories were really depressing. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about tonight uh, the and I sent you guys, we kind of talked about it, uh, a coyote blocker, which is a new defense system that is being created. And I just happened to catch the story, but it's uh, essentially a non-kinetic defense weapon to fight drones. And okay, it was so it's, uh, it's, so it's not a new sunglasses. I thought they were like blue blockers, but they were basically a dead coyote you just slap across your face <laughs> and UV. That's not what it. That's wrong. Okay, go on. I go teach me. Explain what it is. Then. Yes, yes, that is uh, nice imagination, Kirk. But no, we're 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 talking about <laughs> a high tech military piece of equipment. Uh, so the story tells me now. Granted, it's it's kind of high-tech military stuff, so there's not a whole lot of information on it, but essentially they said that uh, they sent this uh, swarm of drones, which was 10 drones, all different sizes and capabilities, and this one, we'll, we'll call it a... I guess, would you call it a UAV? No. Well, I mean... Technically... Okay, so I'm going to call it a UAV just for my purposes. Uh, but this one UAV took down all 10 drones, and it doesn't use kinetic warfare, meaning uh, bullets or missiles. It uses some sort of electronic battle munition. So EMPs is what I'm assuming. Yeah, it's... From what... Yeah, we kind of gleamed it was it was either some sort of EMP device that it's shielded against or it's got a direction oh or they've made a way to directionally do EMP. Are these are these drones are they I don't I don't know much about it were they like battery powered like I'm trying to picture like these flying drones are like like they shitting shitting battery acid on people's car windshields or is it like oil like what are they well, is it just battery powered, like electronics, essentially? And well, you know, it's basically just a really big drone. I mean, if you think about it in the grand scheme, but uh, yes, it would be battery. It's an electric vehicle, which is why John keeps saying it has to be shielded. So if it's using EMP and it's not shielded, it shoots its EMP. And then it knocks itself out as well. Uh, well so drone, drones are going green. They're battery powered. They're not, well, uh, there's no diesel power. <laughs> In theory, actually, gasoline powered would be better against something like that. Yes. Kirk, are you familiar with EMPs? I am not. Okay, so EMP stands for electromagnetic pulse. And essentially, that electromagnetic pulse has the ability to knock out electronic equipment. Sort of like short-circuit them. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, uh, one of the things that uh, they talk about, like, solar flares, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's one of the things that is emitted 
from a solar flare? Yeah. Any any yeah. sort of a uh, electromagnetic. And every time there's a really big solar flare, they're worried about EMPs hitting Earth and knocking out our electronic equipment. Then like screwing up screwing up the Wi-Fi or screwing up the so yeah, people Oh, sending us online. back to Stone Age is the fear. Because it, it doesn't just knock it out, it fries it. Like, it's no good after that. Oh, so it's not just like it's it's offline for 20 minutes. Like, it's it shorts, it fries it. If it's on, it's out. Yeah. Huh. But so far, we've, you know, even in the satellites in space haven't been protected or hit. And I think... Almost everything has EM shielding in it nowadays, anyway. All right, would it would it fry it, or would it would it just fry it, or could it also curly fry it? Because those are delicious. <laughs> yeah, maybe I like, maybe like a nice fried egg. Um, yeah, it's not. I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I work in medical field and uh i've seen way way back in the day uh the old ct machine we used to use we had a, a tv that was used to monitor patients while we were doing the scans and when the machine was running it would start sh not shorting out but the image from the the camera would go completely static Which kind of defeats the purpose. Sure. <clears throat> and the whole reason I kind of brought that up, John, was because of, you know, a few episodes back, we talked about the future of warfare. And we were hinting at some of these things, and then boom, there it is. Now we've got the future of warfare being, okay, now so if we, if we have drones coming at us in swarms, how are we going to defend ourselves against that? It's a part, yes, but it's just a countermeasure. I mean, you could say the same thing about missiles or mortars or anything like that. Uh, it's just that, you know, we needed an effective countermeasure for a large majority of potentially hostile drones. Right. And I think the worst part about drone attacks is they just keep going on and on <laughs> and on. Uh. <laughs> but i mean it it raises a good point because if drones are uh rendered ineffective what's the next step after that well, you does it to figure... does it circle back around to ground troops telemarketers <laughs> <laughs> those damn robo calls oh those are the worst aren't eventually you're gonna just Eventually, somebody has it. It has to work because they keep doing it. So somebody has to actually go. Yeah, sure, I'll buy you whatever you're selling, phone guy who's just trying to screw me over. That's the worst part about it to me is it actually has to work because they keep doing it. Well, it, yeah. There's actually a, a very big rabbit hole that. Well, I say rabbit hole. That's not the right word for it. Um. A, a type of video has really risen, and it's messing with these people that call in, or the the scammers that call. 
Well, I, I've heard the scan, the, uh, the, the best strategy I heard is somebody goes, when, it, when I get a telemarketer, I just give the phone over to my toddler. If you have like a two or three year old and then, cause they can't hang up. So then they just keep trying to sell your two or three year old who doesn't understand the concept. So it just, it keeps basically, it, it keeps them from aggravating other people for 40 minutes while your toddler screws with them. Well, unfortunately, just like the, uh, advanced measures that these drone fighting UAVs are employing. The robocallers also have very advanced tactics and they're apparently I, I read a story about it and supposedly these guys are really good. Like they they work hard to be good at screwing people over. It's amazing how hard people work to not work hard. Correct. So, yeah, that's what I was, I've been thinking about the the whole, you know, future of war thing since we started talking about it. And this one tripped my, tripped my brain a little bit because I, I said, man, we are like, are we going to start withdrawing troops and just sending these crazy drones across the sea? You Between know? cyber oh. attacks and drones, I could kind of see that happening. And, and with people not less and less people signing up to join the military, it seems like, yeah, let's just let the computers and the robots handle it. Well, but I mean, military's been heading that way forever. I, ever since they could, they've been trying to use unmanned vehicles. The problem is they're almost all aerial. So they still have to have the ground troops. Like, how long do you think it's going to be until the world becomes Titanfall? 17 days. <laughs> I mean, I not. it's not far off. I mean, what was it? Two, three years ago, they had, uh, I want to say the dude in America. There was a guy in America and a guy in Japan that wanted to battle their robots together. And they were essentially like, obviously not as big or mobile like Titanfall mechs, but... You know, similar concepts. Wait, this isn't the movie with Matthew Broderick that you're thinking of, is it? It's not that one. No. Okay. Sorry, Chris, you were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say it, it. When you said that, it made me think of my uh, my next idea for making money on YouTube is to fight robots. I've had that idea for so long. No, well, but battle, it, battle bot. You you personally are gonna fight robots? Just yeah, push me, against the robots. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in the ring with a robot and see <laughs> who wins. What, oh. what, what could go wrong? You could get automated to death. See, well, and that kind of ties into an idea I had because you know, we both watched BattleBots again back to the nineties. Well, it was more late two thousands, but or early two thousands. But we watched BattleBots and all of that. And now we have access to 3D printers and all of that stuff. Yeah, I, I think I even, I think I, back in like 2000, it was probably 2000, I actually tried to build a battle bot. Oh, how, yeah. how far, how far did you get? Well, I, I had the whole frame, like, uh, so. Yeah, like I had I had gotten into basically I had to stop at the electronic part because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. The fact that you made it out of bubble wrap, I thought was a bad call. <laughs> that doesn't seem a tough metal 
object. You work with what you got, Kirk. All right. No, but that's... But, seriously, but what about a bubble wrap star? Come on, seriously, that's the new thing. I'm a guy who's going to be so safe and compact and your delivery will make it there, but... All right, battle rap star. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, John. <laughs> what? We, we we don't need any more pop music, Kirk. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I've thought about this of having... And, and it's not a unique idea. People have done it. But having a completely 3D printed robot to fight it, you know, 3D each other. Because the... <laughs> So here's my, and I was, this this might be a topic for another episode, but I, since you said it, I'm having some issues lately because I don't feel, and uh, granted, I'm using a, you know, a standard 3D printer that I could buy offline, but man, the quality, not the quality, I shouldn't say, but the, the sturdiness of things that I've been printing just does not hold up to what I want it to do. So you need like a higher level kind of, or you need to up it like the, the, the it's sort of giving you uh, stuff that you get out of like the 99 cent store kind of quality. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that I've printed work in theory and then I put them under stress and they just fail. Well, it's just the, the, it's, one of the limiting factors of 3D printing, because you're putting layer on top of layer, whereas in when you have a, oh, excuse me, sorry, I had to sneeze. Um, <laughs> instead of the traditional like injection molded part or something like that, where it's a solid cohesive unit of plastic, a 3D printed one of the same size is always going to be uh, more fragile. Because, again, it's layer on top of layer. That's how my 4K monitor ended up breaking. Because my daughter was... I, 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 well, here's a question. Like, as a somebody who doesn't... Uh, a, somebody new to 3D printing, I guess, what are the telltale signs of the, uh, the, the quality of the product that you're printing is subpar? Is, are we talking like they just sort of... They, they melt under heat, or they, they crack, or they just kind of dissolve? Like... I guess, what's the issue? Well, it's, you have inherent weaknesses along the layers. So if you're trying to put, let's say you just printed a a stick, and you went to go bend it in half, it's going to snap at one of those layers. Because there's not as much, it's not a perfect cohesion between each layer. There but are but ways. A stick, a stick would snap. So, but I, I I'm know. just, I... I'm just saying, if you had a plastic stick and a real stick, you would think that the real stick would break way before the plastic one. Correct. Uh, no, <laughs> I wouldn't think that. I, I well, see where you're going, John. And yes, I would, I would think the the regular stick would break first. Like, like. Think of a plastic tube and you tried to snap a plastic tube in half. It's going to be harder. If you did the same thing and 3D printed it, it's going to snap right where those layer lines are. That's just inherent of the... Uh, I, I, ha I haven't had that with every print that I've been doing, but it just seems like uh, 
some of the prints that I've uh, done lately, especially like uh, I printed a new handle um, for the pop-up camper. And structurally, it seemed fine until I used it a couple times and it broke. Is this just like sort of uh, you, you you pay for the quality you get? Like I uh, last time Chris and I played, I played as mandolin and then I bought a mandolin that's like $50. I'm not expecting the sound quality of that mandolin to be amazing. So if you have a a decent 3d printer is it i guess uh am i am i are you expecting too much for the quality if you, you a bare a bare minimum 3d printer to then print quality items that are solid forever it just depends there's there's a lot of factors kirk i mean you know just the print itself what it is how how much infill you use, the size of the outer and inner walls. I mean, granted, there's a lot you can do, and I'm sure if I tweaked some of the prints and made them more sturdy, they would last longer. But I don't know. It just got me a little discouraged because, you know, I'm looking at this stuff kind of going, eh, shouldn't it just work? Well, I'm assuming for a door handle, you're putting it under a lot of force. Um I'm guessing you printed in pet G. I I did, and the amount of force on this door is minimal at best. You're still putting force on it though. I'm guessing it broke where you're if I had to guess, it's you just slot it on the existing metal um, square and turn uh, it. No, it didn't even turn. It was just a straight handle. Oh, so just pulling and... Just pulling and pushing, yeah. Where did it fail? Uh, where the handle part connected to the base of the... Um, to the part you attached to the door. Is it a... Do you screw it in? Uh, yes. Huh. So... Were, you, were you using too much force? As a, as a Star Wars nerd, <laughs> um, I'm not a Jedi, Kirk. So no, no. Okay, good. All right, that's eliminated. Yes, um, but it could have been just I didn't design it because I designed it myself. So there's a chance I did not design it well enough to handle that. And you know that's a hundred percent possibility. So yeah, you know. It it just uh it was something on my mind only because we've been, you know, uh talking about oh I made some caps for the boat. Well those aren't functional, but they don't put they're not put under any stress. So then I make something that has a little bit of stress put on it and it breaks, and then I go, Well, this is worthless. What am I doing? Well and can I say anything that has to put up with you is under stress? Can I say that right now? So, but John, you want to I, back me up? You're not, yeah. <laughs> but everybody already knows Kirk. You didn't have to say it. Uh, all right. Well, that, that was just throwing out that theory. Like maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the 3D printed stuff. Maybe it's just you, and it just can't take it anymore. But everybody sounds... who, everyone who listens to this podcast is stressed out, and they don't. They're just like, man. Every time I listen to this show, I'm just stressed. 
I, if I had to guess, I would think that it needs mo- either more infill or more uh, perimeter, like top yeah. bottom. I figured if I increased the outside, like the thickness of the walls, I'd probably have a better result. But um, you know, it's just one of those things that was at the top of my head because it just happened and it bummed me out. That's all. I mean, at the top of your head was a hat. Always, yes. I mean, the only other thing I could think of was it the bottom layers, increasing the bottom layers up a couple millimeters. Because tip- oh, typically, gonna... it only prints in like I want to say it's one mil, one or two millimeters for a solid bottom layer. I don't even think it's that. I think it's, I think it's just one. And that could be part of where the problem was. It doesn't have enough of that bottoms structure for the infill. So you're saying it's not a power bottom? <laughs> <laughs> well done, Kirk. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I've been talking all night, John. What a, Did you have anything this week you wanted to talk about? I hate 3D printers. Oh. Well, so let me explain. Um, I've got three. I've got two presses, and I've got an Ender 3. And right now, I don't think any of them are currently operational. No, I take that back. My oldest press is. What's wrong with the new presser? Uh, the hot end clogged. And I can't find my... I, I, I just have to get, you know off my ass and go and get a rent new wrench because I can't find the wrench to undo the nozzle. Oh. And that one really, it bugged me because I was about halfway done with a 3D printed project that me and my wife are working on. Yeah, that's a bummer. You don't like to see clogs. And, Yeah. Well, and if, if 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 you're printing something and it clogs, essentially, do you have to just? I imagine you just have to whatever you're making, you have to throw out because it sort of was interrupted yep. halfway through. Yeah, so that's exactly what happened. It got the bottom or the base done, and then when it was building up the walls around the side, because it's I've got this design to where it, uh, a picture, not a picture frame, uh, a four by four. Uh, canvas sits in the middle of it. When it got to building up the walls around where the canvas would sit, it clogged. So when I got home and took it off the printer, it was just flat. Huh. Which obviously, absolutely no use. Can't can't do anything there. So yeah, had to toss it out. And you know the the biggest. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the biggest bummer, Kirk, is that, you know, you put a print on and then you go, oh, I'm going to go do whatever. And then you come back two hours later and the thing is, you know, printing air. It's just clogged. So it's not printing anything. And you're just like, man, all yeah. that time wasted. It almost seems like when you're, if, like, I know friends who tried to like brew their own beer. 
or like it's such a time commitment, but you don't realize until halfway through that the batch is spoiled, but you have to go through it. And then also with the 3D printer, I was wondering, is there a way to sort of recycle like a, a botched, like if, if you try to make something in a, it botched because something clogged like that, is there a way to like, okay, I can re-melt it and put it back in or is that just done? There is, but it's not cheap. It's, so it's, it's almost not worth doing, basically. Not it's, not it's, on it's a hobby level. Just, to, just throw, it, throw it away, basically. Yeah, I the one that failed was probably about 50 cents worth of plastic-ish, ah, maybe a dollar. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the downside, Kirk, is you can re- recycle the stuff, but it's just not cost-efficient because of the filament itself is so cheap when it's made on a large scale that... It's just not worth it. Yeah, I mean, See, look at that. We're learning something new about 3D. It's been a while since I've yeah. learned something new about 3D printing, so this is enjoyable. Yeah, they have machines that can shred down failed prints or, you know, sp- or end of spools and then heat it up and re or extrude a new filament. But that's that's kind of a uh, just kind of a. Well, if and, you have the money, it's fun, but otherwise, eh. Well, when so I was more of a higher level kind of, if you've been, yeah, doing, not a, not a beginner thing. When I was doing my wiffle ball thing real heavy, um, they had I stumbled across a thing that you can actually so poly uh, wiffle balls are made out of polyethylene, which is uh, essentially what PETG is, but it's not quite the same. They, there's another something in there, and they said that uh, you could actually make a filament that is only polyethylene by melting down and cooling recycled milk jugs, because that's what uh, milk jugs are made out of. That's it's not polyethylene though. It's uh, I can't think of the the name. Well, they they talked about how you could recycle a the milk jugs and use that to create a wiffle ball with a injection mold. Oh, it is polyethylene. Sorry. It's high density polyethylene. Yes. Which pet G is not high density. Poly. It's got something yeah. there's it's polyethylene, but there's, you know, it's a different polymer or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, so theoretically, like you could even recycle, uh, milk jugs and spin them into 3D printing filament. But it's going to cost you more money to do that, Kirk, than it is just to buy the filament from a, you know, Amazon or whatever. Okay, so it hasn't become cost efficient yet. No, and it I don't foresee it ever. Like I could see it as in a community center investing it but recycling filament well just like like for an average person just like a basic generic like just if i go hey i want to get some filament how much does a spool of filament run an average person 20 bucks bucks. okay so yeah at a certain point it's not worth the headache to try to recycle something that's only 20 bucks so well like the junker car where it's like okay we can just throw this away so a a spool is you know a a 20 dollar spool is generally one kilogram, Kirk. So it's like 2.54 pounds or whatever. And 
you depending on what you're printing, you might only use uh, 70 grams or, you know, 50 grams of filament to print your project. So out of a spool, I mean, you can print 20 or 30 projects depending on their size and intricacy. But yeah, you're talking like 50 cents a print, maybe a dollar, maybe $2 if it's something really big and fancy. So, you know, it's not a very expensive proposition to buy filament. Okay. It would it would almost be like, you know, construction paper and you rip construction paper and then you use duct tape to stip it back together because you're trying to it almost like it's it's so cheap you you don't have to replace that. Just yeah, try just, it again. Just, just get a new I mean, piece. Right. Environmentally, yes, it would be nice to recycle the especially like support structure and stuff like that. Cause I, I have I was saving up my the failed prints and the supports and all that stuff to see if I could do something with it. And it probably would have been at least a, a new two or a kilogram roll. But I think the equipment alone is, I want to say upwards of like 500. Not to mention, you don't necessarily want to be melting grand, you know, big pools of this filament i mean i'm talking about from a toxic standpoint i know yeah. it's not necessarily toxic but you get enough of it into a vat and you start melting it down there's a good chance you're going to get some fumes right and even though your family has gas mass anyway chris it's, <laughs> you, you know it, it's you don't need to do that you don't need to throw that much toxic fumes when you're already around well yeah it, there's no need to add any more and it's there's just piling on at a certain point yeah, there's um well obviously this isn't um sorry I was looking at the uh oh yeah a full recycling setup fifteen thousand. Okay, so not for the average <laughs> beginner three D printer. No. Now if you could buy that setup and then take everyone in the country's unused filament and then melt it down, recycle it and respin it. Which I is, could see that, you know, that would be a, a, a worthwhile cause, but that's the only way you're gonna make it worthwhile. And that is a service they offer is recycling failed prints. Or, you know, recycling scraps. So I mean, you know, if that's one of those things you like you just assume throw it in the trash. That's what I do. Yeah, I tried to come up with a creative way to do my, redo mine, but like Chris said, when you start heating that stuff up to the point where it becomes uh, molten and liquid to move around, it starts giving off a ton of uh, fumes. Yeah, it just seems like you're a lot. It just uh, you're you're just uh, rolling the dice where if you're heating up chemicals, they're gonna you know pop or get on you or. Yeah, it it seems like you're just getting an unhealthy, uh, you know, territory. Just a little bit. So it's, yeah, it's just better not to, you know, not to do that just for that sake. But I, uh, I, John, I just as we we're talking, I thought of another thing to tell you. 
uh, I was looking at the wonderful model of the ingenuity that's sitting on my desk, and it the ingenuity, which we haven't talked about in a few weeks, it made its tenth flight, did everything as it was supposed to. I I'm a little bummed because. I've lost a little bit of interest in the darn thing because every week it's like, oh, yep, it flew. It did what which, it was supposed to. Which we, we talked about towards the beginning of this before it started flying was why people lose interest in these rovers and everything so fast. And that, that's exactly it. it. It becomes mundane. They could use a little drama. Yeah. You know, heighten the tension. Make, make us think that it almost exploded to get our attention back. Cause yeah, like the first couple weeks, especially the first flight before it, they proved they could do it. I was like on pins and needles because I'm thinking, I want to see if this thing's gonna actually do what it was supposed to do. And then after about the fifth or sixth flight, I'm like, all right, so they know it's working. And then they get to the ninth and tenth flight, and I'm just like, yep, I already knew it did what it was supposed to do. Who cares about this thing anymore? I mean, it will eventually when it's because it's got a limited lifespan. That thing's not going to last too, too much longer. And I say that. I mean, it could be flying for another year. I doubt it, but that is a possibility. You know, uh, that also made me think you said limited lifespan. Uh, that rover, I can't remember the name of it because I, I never I, I can, but... Uh, that rover that you told me about that uh, sent back the message of, like, my battery is low and it's getting dark. Wasn't that... That wasn't Curiosity, was it? No, no. Curios Enrique. Enrique. <laughs> that was a hurricane, Kirk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it was... Because Curiosity is still going. Yeah. It was the one before Four. that. Uh, uh, yeah, I was trying to look for. I was gonna say, dang it! Now we're gonna rack our brains on this and try and figure it out. But, uh, opportunity, opportunity, yes. And uh, the funny thing is, is like, opportunity. You you sent me that, uh, or you told me about that. Those words that it sent back, and it haunts my dreams, man. <laughs> It, it creeped you out the, the the robot going my battery is getting low i the time is near i can feel death upon my shoulder don't give robots well feeling. they don't need emotion <laughs> we've had this conversation before you don't need to give them emotions cuz then they can get depressed and then they we get depressed and ensue well and that it, it's kind of funny because that's exactly why they did that cuz it was kind of around the the pinnacle of Twitter and all of that, so they wanted to give it a way to. I'm assuming that's what it was, or I well, it must like if you look on Twitter now, even the Perseverance has its own Twitter page, and it it talks in first person just like a person would. And I it, quit looking at it because it was creeping me out. I'm like, this thing is talking as if it were a person doing science on Mars, and that is not what it is. Stop trying to fake it. Well, it, it's for the, the, you know, no one's going to care about a robot on, a, you know, on Mars that's just scuttling around doing its stuff. Um, 
you give it a kind of that that personality, even though it's not real, and it makes it much more interesting. Like I have, I don't know if either of you have heard of this, but I have an uh, a vector robot. It's a little desktop robot that. Yeah, I I looked into those. It is really interesting because it does have that pseudo personality where it Although, in, in my in, in just can i interrupt for a second i think the problem is if the nasa scientists are the ones giving the robots personalities engineers don't have good personalities <laughs> so it still sounds robotic and boring to the average person while the ro the nasa scientists thinking they're being hilarious but really it's just they only need to speak. They only know how to speak in ones and zeros. They don't know to, how to interact with human beings. They're so familiar with robots. Any any yays, nays, takers on that theory? <laughs> I I think under that theory, they should really check out the guy that programmed or that wrote the uh, dark message because he's uh he's hurting. <laughs> That guy needs some therapy. Is what you're saying? Somebody needs to talk to that guy. That guy's obviously depressed. Somebody should talk to that guy because he's he's getting kind of he's making this. If you're making robots suicidal, that's a bad sign. That's a bad. When <laughs> robots want to cry, don't do that. Don't make robots cry. They rust and then things get weird. Thank you. Just a scientific. See? Just right there. No rusting robots. John, I was just going to interject that the reality is. In potentially ten years' time, that little rover is going to be in a museum. So nobody will pay attention to him because nobody goes <laughs> to museums. Is that what you're saying? Is no, I just <laughs> just the thought that you know, if humans start going to Mars within the next ten years. Most of those uh, rovers that have shut down due to low battery, they're all going to get retrieved and put in potentially just museums on Mars. So if they die, just a giant magnet will kind of suck them back? <laughs> I mean, something fancier than that, I'm guessing. I'm hoping. They'll upgrade uh, ingenuity. Uber, Uber will pick him up. <laughs> we lose Chris. Yeah, no, he hasn't said anything in a while. Yeah, we could. could no, nope, I'm. I'm oh, okay. Here. I was. Sorry, I was. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, I was thinking too when you guys were saying that. I was like, man, they got. Uh, we we haven't talked about the China rover very much uh, since it landed, and uh, turns out that thing's doing the exact same thing as ours do, taking pictures, yeah. sending them back. Same thing. That's about all they can do at this point. So it's really cool, except then it gets lame after a while. Can I just say uh, that seems stereotypical that the thing from China is just doing nothing but taking pictures? Can I just <laughs> that's I'm offended. <laughs> sure. From the robot. Well, or, uh, or I could just be fake offended, and I'm not offended at all. 
either or, you know, we'll let you choose. But uh, John, I think uh, this is a good time to s- jump over to Kirk's corner and see what he's got going on this week. Yeah, and unfortunately, nothing was changed for reasons. It still doesn't matter. I like the intro that you put in. Now we didn't play it this week, but the new intro you made was still cool. So right, the the intro was so good. You still have a couple more weeks to coast on. So. <laughs> <laughs> No worries about the Kirk's Corner. The, the intro was still so cool. So and, and the um, geese, the geese haven't figured out how to make it into the house yet. So we're good. Oh, a couple of little ones have, but yeah, I'm waiting for them to bust through the drywall. If that's going to be the next, that's what I'm hoping for the next one to be. Oh yeah, <laughs> very cool, Manny. Yes. Um, why well, hey, for for Kirk Corner? I thought because our last episode was our 21st episode. I'm not sure about you guys, but I actually received several congratulatory letters, actual <laughs> letters from different people from all, and most of them are nice. I'll be honest with you, but uh, I got 11 of them. So would you guys like to hear sort of the the nice, mostly things people said about our 21st episode? Go for sure. it. Yeah. Oh, all right. Here's, here's the first one. Uh, first one I got is, uh, congratulations. Uh, can we come on your podcast to reach a, a larger audience? That was from uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z. That was, <laughs> that, was ni- that was very nice of them, I thought. So we could try to get some more people to be aware of them. Um, right. uh, here is one from the, it's the, it's from the, the fan club president of Corners. And their letter <laughs> said, Kirk's Corner is by far the best corner of 2021. <laughs> that was that was not me saying that. That was the fan club of the president of corners, which is an actual moving on. Okay. Um all right. Uh we, we came back from the dead to give Fuse Relativity two thumbs down, and that was from Zombie, Siskel, and Ebert. You guys, <laughs> you guys remember them? All right, those guys uh, are jerks. Those guys, well, they came back from the dead though. So they, they showed a little effort. Um uh, the next one, thank God this podcast uh, doesn't have smell vision And that is from the Society of People with Noses. Um, <sighs> I believe that it was more directed at Chris, I believe. I'm, I don't want to I don't want to put words in their mouth, but that was from the Society of People with Noses. Not a fan of smell vision OK, uh, we have about five more. Um, I'm still waiting on that strudel recipe. And that is from a, con- a confused listener. <laughs> they still, they still don't get the 3D printing concept of it. But maybe they'll they'll catch on eventually. Um, all right, here is a, a Chris, Kirk, and John are truly the black holes of entertaining podcasts. That was from Neil deGrasse Tyson. So that was nice that he reached out. Oh, oh, intelligent space talk there. Excellent. Yeah, so uh, you guys were, you thought I was making this up, but these are legitimate. I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson sending a letter, and it was, you know what? It wasn't an email. It was a letter. It was mail that was licked, and that's what I prefer. Okay. Uh, another one. Uh, let's see. What, what was the next one? Uh, Don't call us. We'll call you. That was from the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> um, don't get your hopes up on that one, I think. Um 
Oh, here's another one. I, I don't know where I'd be without this podcast. I can actually, I can have a normal life again. That was from the president of Insomniacs. <laughs> that was. I don't know how you feel, but that one is sort of a. It's that's. I don't think that's nice. I think that was a bad one. We'll put that in the bad column. Uh, got a two. I think we got two more here. Uh, hey, it's not as bad as fracking. That was from the Colorado environmentalists. Um, so that's good. It's not. We're not. We're not poisoning people. I don't think with this. Um, I really love all the fuse flavors. I hope I sent this to the correct address. And that was from person who did not send it to the correct address. So huh. the, the fused is close, more of a typo. That one I shouldn't have read that one. Um, here's the th okay. Uh, the fuse relativity podcast is our best hope of uh, reuniting uh, America in their hatred of fuse relativity podcast. That was <laughs> that was from the Denver Post, and I think I have one more. Oh, here we go. Yes, this is this is the last one. This is from Albert Einstein. So that was he. Yeah, this is big, big, big news in the scientific yeah. community. Uh, my proudest moments uh, are having my theory of relativity always uh, included in this podcast. So somehow we made Albert Einstein uh, a little more famous with this Fuse Relativity podcast. So well, something to hang our hats on, right? I would say, I think, you know what, John, I mean, we, I thought that was a nice, you, you guys didn't get the, the you didn't get the mails. I got the mails, but seriously, that was a quite a, a cast of characters that are fans of our, our podcast. What do you think? How do you feel? Impressed. Yes. All uh, right. Well, hey, 20, <laughs> this is number 22. So 22 more to go. We'll try to, we'll get to 50 and stuff. So. It's just, it's up from here. Chris, was, did you have uh, any? Yeah, what do you uh, think? The, the fact that we had Neil deGrasse Tyson, Beyonce and Jay-Z, and a dead Albert Einstein, that's, uh, how do you top that? Seriously, like if you want to, you know, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but that's that's an impressive uh, list right there. So um, tell your friends that this is the place for celebrities, dead celebrities, and scientists <laughs> to... Uh, Give us our props. Coming from a bunch of guys who don't know shit. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there's Kirk's corner for the week. Just letting you guys know that we're getting we're getting love from letters, uh, so people are listening to us. Yes, we do. All right. Well, excellent job, Kirk. John. Uh, next week, maybe we'll see some, uh, you know, something a little different in Kirk's corner. Hopefully. Hopefully, if not, once again, your your intro was awesome. I watched it on YouTube. Uh, everybody can watch it on YouTube if you would like. Uh, it is in our highlight videos that we put up every Friday. So if you got 9 to 15 minutes, depending on the episode, check it out every Friday. John throws them up there. Yeah, and, you know, uh, just ignore the... Seen it. If you haven't seen it, look it out. But check it out. It's 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 worth your time. But yeah, go ahead. Preach, or, John, preach. I was going to say, or, you know, watch the full podcast that comes out on Monday. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying for our listeners who don't have an hour and a half, you know, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you got crying kids or whatever. You know, you want to catch the highlights. Uh, it's the best of our shows. So, As I'm curated by Kirk. 
And yes, Kirk I just, you does... know what? I I listened. To, if if you guys can listen to our podcast, I can re-listen to it and pick out the good parts. That's more than fair. <laughs> um, yes, and so Fridays <laughs> that does come up. Mondays, it our podcast comes out on Spotify and YouTube. So you know anywhere you want to catch it, you can kind of pick it up and. I also listen on Mondays. I download on Spotify and re-listen to the podcast just because that's what you should do as a creator of a podcast so that you can figure out where you suck. That's true. Yeah, if if you're not enjoying it, then they're not enjoying it. So that's that's a good theory. That, that's a good attitude. Like, might as well be enjoyable. If it's not enjoyable to us, then uh, why do we do this to you guys? <laughs> Correct. So I, I do have an off-topic this week that I want to jump into, because this is our off-topic segment. Uh, and John, you might find this interesting. I did not send this over to you, so you haven't heard this. Uh, do you know about the ice worms? Talking about worms they found in ice cores? Or something else? <laughs> so, in the Pacific Northwest, they have glaciers that these... Uh, ice worms live in and when it warms up a little bit on the glacier they come out in droves like thousands and thousands come out of the glacier and they're like inch long black worms and they say that it's you know kind of like a apocalyptic thing where you just have all these tiny little black worms coming up out of the ice and what's interesting about it is they are icebound creatures so they they survive in the ice, uh, which, of course, is, you know, frozen, theoretically, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, but they cannot live in anything less than that. It's really, it's really fascinating. So their, their bodies have uh, acclimated to freezing temperatures of being frozen, but not like if you put them in... Uh, minus 20, they would die. It's really Wait, weird. I, I just dropped off a bunch of ice worms at the sauna, so you're saying I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, in theory, not. in theory, they could potentially survive higher temperatures. It's just they've adapted to surviving in lower temperatures so that they... Or they adapted to surviving at freezing at 32. Yes. Which makes sense, because once you get into the ice far enough, just like with, um, you know, when you dig into the ground and you get towards kind of like bedrock, the temperature really doesn't fluctuate. It, it gets to where it is, and then it just kind of stops. Right. It doesn't change. So the the whole point of the story that I came across was that they are using these worms to try and figure out life on other planets as far as how an organism could adapt to a different environment, such as living underground in on Mars. See, and I'm starting to remember some of this. I think it has something that is, I want to say, I, this sounds familiar, but it, it sounds, remember, the worms have like uh the reason they come up to the surface is to uh get solar like they need sunshine so 
every so often when the temperatures are right, they come out and they they get they sunbathe essentially, and they have uh, enough pigment to soak in all that sun, and then they go back into the ice and they freeze and eat like bacteria and algae in the ice until it's time to come back up. I mean, it's a pretty boring lifestyle, but I'm, you know, the the story well, it's, I'm it's, it's it's better than getting used to by ice fishermen to fish. Come, I mean, yeah. you figure ice fishermen, ice worms, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I am, I'm remembering more. The story I was reading was more about fish and how they have kind of a, a more, it's not alcohol, but they have kind of almost an antifreeze in their blood, which helps them survive under the, like the ice caps and all that stuff. That's what I was thinking of. Well, I heard they wore hypercolor shirts, so you could tell <laughs> when they got too cold, it would turn blue, and they'd know it. They'd have to go warm up. And and fish, technically, like most cold cold uh, uh, cold blooded animals, they can slow their metabolisms down so far that they don't have to eat for long stretches at a time, and they can survive. Like, okay, since we're off topic, I had in when I was in high school, I had a turtle. And, uh, John, you may remember that turtle. Oh, yeah. What was the turtle's and name? Rico. <laughs> Rico Suave? He was Rico Suave. <laughs> uh, turtles are terrible pets, but, but I digress. Um, he, they stink, right? So every now and then you have to take out, because uh, he was a water turtle, so you basically have to take out their their tank and clean it. Well, I remember one time I took the tank out to clean it and then forgot about the tank and left the tank sitting outside overnight. And guess what? The water froze. And I felt really bad because I'm, you know, I'm looking at this going, oh, that's a terrible way for a turtle to go. And uh, in the warm sunlight, the tank melted and the turtle sprang back to life like nothing had happened. It was kind of crazy. Oh, story! Because I thought the turtle was going to run away to get away from your stink. That's what I thought that was where it was going. But that's yeah. a much better ending. <laughs> well, I mean, no. most reptiles hibernate in extreme cold. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that this turtle was completely frozen in ice, and then I mean, granted, he wasn't. It wasn't like block solid ice, of course, because that would have been a different story. But still, the fact that they can shut down their body systems enough to be able to handle that kind of temperature swing and then rebound from it is it's impressive and they think well, that that's something to look into as far as you know living on other planets or at least having life on other planets yeah so that was my off topic story do you guys got anything else uh, just that never going to give you up hit a or never, yeah, never going to give you up, hit a billion plays on YouTube. Really? Huh. Never going to give you up that Rick Astley song? Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Only because it was used as a, a, almost as a troll. For a long you know time. The, I have a funny memory. I remember in, in grade school for the talent show, somebody, uh, they lip synced that song and the second time he did it, he got flustered and he lost his place 
and he stopped lip singing and he left the stage crying because he's so i i watched someone break Get down <laughs> crying because he screwed up lip singing to rick astley uh that song so i have a very specific per- memory with that song yeah and i mean come on the songs i'm never gonna give up yeah never gonna give, he, give you he, up he, he totally gave up. He, he, <laughs> he pulled the ripcord and he said he had it. it. I heard the first one went better, but the second song, anytime you a talent show ends in tears, it's, it's not good. Yeah. It, it reminds me, John of this. Cause yeah, that's, I mean, a billion views though. That's crazy. Like um, the people who, you know, pink Fong who made baby shark, they have like 80 million or 80 billion views or something stupid. And that seems astronomical, but to get 80, you know, a billion views is that's huge. And it reminded me of a news story that we saw not too long ago where these engineers uh, years ago made a uh, hotline that you could call to hear Holland notes. So like you just call the hotline and it's all you do is pick a Holland notes song that you want to hear. And the name of it was Colin Oates. So Anybody that wants to look that up, it's still active. It's a it's a thing. No one wants to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll, I'll, we'll leave on the. I have a quick one. Uh, I have a quick off topic. Mine is uh, I read a story about there a man from Idaho. He balanced a chair on his chin for an hour and eight minutes and thirty nine seconds, setting a world record. A uh, couple things. It, this this man has over 200 world records, so he's kind of addicted to world records. Um, another thing, uh, this just proves uh, that potatoes are still the most interesting thing about Idaho. Um, uh, a couple of things. Um, uh, and the man, you know what the new the, the man's new nickname is? Do you guys want to want to guess what the new mic, nick, man's nickname is? Uh, Go for he's, it. What is he's it? he's the chairman of the boring. Is the one. <laughs> All right. And then one more thing. The worst part was there was actually an 83-year-old woman who really wanted to sit down. <laughs> this, this jerk was using the only chair. So that's, oh, that's slightly off topic. But seriously, if you're going to break a world record and you see an old lady, give her the chair instead. Don't be a dick. There was a a story that I came across just just before our show that's uh, there was a hundred year old woman in I think St. Louis or somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, She turned a hundred and she celebrated her hundredth birthday with a hundred White Castle sliders. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I said, you know what? Good for her. Way to be. I hope she had help. I can't imagine. That's, yeah. that's impressive. She would have to be really drunk or high or something. <laughs> I'm not saying she ate them all, but if I turn 100, I'm buying 100 of something. I mean, yeah. you know, White Castle sliders, they're good enough. You know, take down as many as you can, and then just, you know, you got meals for like, you know. I heard, she, I, I heard she wrapped them in Kleenex, and for the next two months, that's what she would offer kids from her purse. Instead of like, you know, where there's caramel. Do you guys want a white slider wrapped in, ugh, the thing's three weeks old. It's still good. Sh- shelf stable. It's, yeah, sh- 
there's preservatives in there. It's fast food. It doesn't it never goes bad? It was never good to begin with. So just saying, hundred years old. Do what you're gonna do, but kudos to the. I'm a hamburger, you know, whore essentially. So kudos to the lady who ordered a hundred White Castle sliders. Uh, you know, that's your that's your soulmate. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife's my soulmate, and uh, that lady's just I respect her. That's all. Okay, you respect the old lady for. You know, after she ate them, she quickly died of a heart attack. So it, it, the story ended not so Hopefully good. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got to take it dark, Kirk? All right. You're true. I, God forbid I, I speak of an old lady, a hundred-year-old lady dying. That's completely, <laughs> off, That's completely off topic. But uh, boom, come on. Brought it all back full circle. Anyhow. Full circle. Well, hey, I think we did it. I think that's episode 22. And... uh Guys, I, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show, and I'm super bummed. This is the last episode before I go back to work after my nice long vacation with the newborn baby. And so, such is life. I got to get back to the grind. But that was just me c complaining about having to go back to work. And, uh, yeah, not yeah. That's it. No, <laughs> it's just, no, just me complaining. No, work work sucks. I've I've tried thirty of them, and you know what? I I don't think it's me anymore. I think it's jobs. <laughs> yeah. You are you are correct, John. I know you second that. Yep. So for me, uh, skulls and arms, Chris, John, and Butthead Kirk up there, aka douchebag. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us this evening. And uh, we'll see you next week.